0: The Old Testament reading for Ash Wednesday comes from the prophet Joel, the second chapter, beginning at the twelfth verse. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people. Consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep And say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. And to God. O come let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the honor and Protector of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The epistle reading comes from Paul's second letter to the Church in Corinth, the fifth and sixth chapters. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, Genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord. We rise for the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. John, the first chapter. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father. And from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, Ash Wednesday, is the day when many of us visibly bear the marks of our sin. The ashen cross... It's not just a cool way to mark yourself as a Christian. It is a reminder of our mortality because of our sin. It is a tangible stain that shows our guilt and our depravity. It's a visible indicator that you know you are a sinner and that because of that fact, you will die. But that's something we know every day, not just Ash Wednesday. Each of us daily bears the mark of our sin our mortality, our guilt, our shame, our memories of all the sinful things that we've done, not just recently, but throughout our entire lives. Imagine, though, if those marks were visible to everyone. If our past showed up as a visible stain one day, how marked up would we be? What pictures would we see in the mirror? The face of someone we hurt? The amount of money that we wasted? All the couldas and shouldas. I could have been a better dad, mom, son, or daughter. I should have paid closer attention to that person's hurts and needs. I could have helped them, but instead I made things worse. Dig around in the basement of your life. Look at all your marks of sin, and what do you feel? Wasted years? Obsessive greed? Diversions that are destructive? Anger? Arrogance, selfishness, filthy talk, leading others into sin? Years and years and years of guilt and regret and shame, leaving scars and painful reminders all throughout our lives. What can we do with all of our unwanted marks? Well, one option is that we can be defensive about them. When we're defensive, we don't admit a thing, we tell no one. We keep the skeleton safely locked up in the closet. We seek innocence, not forgiveness. When we're defensive, we reduce life to one goal. Hide the secret, the sin, the shame. Cover it up. Don't address it. Don't admit it. And whatever we do, never, ever confess it. If someone tries to bring it into the light, we fight tooth and nail, claiming that it's not sin. Saying that it never happened, that there were special circumstances that nobody else would ever understand. We say excuses like, everyone else is doing it, so why are you picking on me? We turn the tables around and tell everyone that they're not perfect either, so they should leave you alone. Be defensive and make sure that those marks never see the light of day. Well, another option is to be defeated. When we're defeated, we feel as though we don't make mistakes, we are mistakes. We didn't just follow up, we are a follow up. We beat ourselves up repeatedly with blame and shame of the past. We see the marks of the past and assume that those marks are our future as well. We see no way to remove or to change the marks, so why even bother trying? We take the role of judge, jury, and accusing attorney And the verdict, guilty forever. Defensive people hide the marks of their sin. Defeated people replay the marks of their sin. And we've all done both many, many times. Are those our only two options? Hide the sin or be ruled by it? Well, of course not. We can be defensive, we can be defeated, or we can be delivered. As we begin Lent on this Ash Wednesday, we also begin our sermon series called Witnesses to Christ, focusing on people who witnessed Jesus with their own eyes, saw his ministry, and more importantly, his journey to the cross. And the first witness that we look at is one who, oddly enough, wasn't even present during Holy Week John the Baptist. Years before Jesus' crucifixion, at the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry, John the Baptist was killed by King Herod. So how is he a witness of the cross? Because his ministry, his sole duty, was to remind people that they were indeed sinners and then bear witness to the one person who could save them, Jesus Christ, the Deliverer. To those who are defensive about their sin, pretending that they aren't sinners, that their sin isn't so bad, John brings the hammer of God's law Smashing the hiding places that we've built in our lives so we can pretend that there's nothing wrong with us. He calls us to repent, to admit that we are guilty, that we are in desperate need of a Savior. Not just the Pharisees, but all of us who hide our sin away, He calls whitewashed tombs. We may look good on the outside, but inside we are filled with death and decay. To those who claim to have no sin, he brings the jarring yet necessary truth to our eyes, forces us to see those marks that we have tried so hard to ignore. But he doesn't stop there. What does John the Baptist say to sinners? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When it comes to all of our ugly marks, whether we're defensive about sin or defeated by sin, We can be delivered from sin. Behold, he begins. Behold literally means see. It's a command, a proclamation. The verb can be translated as look, gaze, stare, take note. Behold means here is the whole point of what I'm saying. John the Baptist doesn't just point out our sin. He bears witness to our Savior, pointing our eyes to our deliverer from sin. Behold, he says as he points to Jesus. Twice as Jesus passes by, John the Baptist says to those around him and to each of us as well, Behold the Lamb of God. This isn't an ordinary lamb, just cute and fluffy and cuddly. This is the Lamb of God. This is the Passover lamb. Passover, of course, was the Jewish holiday commemorating their freedom from Egyptian slavery. It looked back on the last of the plagues, where the angel of death was unleashed upon the land of Egypt, striking down the firstborn of every household. Every household, that is, except those marked by the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb is a male lamb, perfect, spotless, and without defect, it is innocent. It has nothing to do with Egypt. It is in no way responsible for Israel's slavery. But so that Israel may live, the Passover lamb must die. The Israelites are to kill the Passover lamb and place its blood on the sides and the tops of their door frames, marking their house with a visible sign. This innocent blood would ward off death and set the Israelites free, free from their life of slavery slavery servitude, and fear. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away, cries John. Not took away, because the work of the Lamb is still ongoing when John bore witness. Not will take away, like someday, if we're lucky, we'll get to experience that. The verb takes away is in the present tense. Meaning what? Meaning that Jesus continually takes away. Today he takes away. Tomorrow he takes away. Next week he takes away. He is always present and active, not waiting to do something great down the road, not giving you a one-time cleansing and then expecting you to sustain it. He takes away. And what does he take away? He takes away the sins of the world. He suffers and dies in the place of all sinners, pays the price of every single transgression and atrocity. Billions upon billions of sins were laid upon that innocent lamb, and he died under the weight of them. All the sins of the world were paid for with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. But not just the sins of the world, your sin, your ugly sin, your shameful sin, Your haunting sin, your every single sin, Jesus takes it away. Your guilt, your shame, all the dirty marks of your sin, all your regretful actions, all the sins that you didn't even realize were there, all of it is paid in full, removed from you completely by your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the sins of your life. Sin has marked us. Sin has filled our lives with guilt and shame. Sins that we've committed, sins that others have committed against us. We bear the marks of divorce, alcoholism, addiction, pornography. We're marked by shame as our children fall away from the church. Our friends betray us. We lose our job, our house, our life savings. Skeletons from the past that we thought we were done with show up to haunt us more. All the shameful things that have happened to us. All the dirty, terrible things that we've done to ourselves and to others. All the things that we've worked so hard to keep hidden from everyone, but have come to light. Even the things we're still somewhat successful in hiding away. They all mark us with guilt and with shame. What can we do? We try to come up with our own solutions. We put our hands over our ears. We wash, splash water on our face go for a long drive, self-medicate. We try to talk it out with a friend or a counselor, but nothing takes away our shame. Nothing takes away our guilt. Sin has marked us, and that's that. End of story, right? But it's not. We don't have to drink our sin away, work our sin away, explain our sin away, eat our sin away, cry our sin away, or bury our sin away. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This may be hard to believe. Most of us have carried our ugly marks for so long that we can't imagine life without them. Maybe we can't imagine that, but God can, and God does. God does more than just imagine it. He makes it so. He sends John the Baptist, who says to each and every one of us sinners, Behold, look, gaze, see, this is the whole point of what I'm saying. Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. The Passover Lamb of God does it all for the whole world. The Passover Lamb of God does it all for you. And so we behold the Lamb and we pray, Jesus, take it all away. Confess your sin. Unburden yourself of the sin others have done to you. Tell Jesus what you did, what you said, what you saw, what you took, how you feel. Tell Jesus what you thought. Pray this prayer as often as needed. Once, twice, ten times a day. Hold nothing back. No guilt is too ancient or too recent. No shame is too evil or too insignificant. No marks are so malicious that they can't be completely removed by the grace of God. And what do you need grace for? For being a bad person? That's too general. Examine your life and confess real sins. Did you lose your patience at a meeting and call your coworker a rude name? Do you often take God's name in vain? Do you struggle with addiction and keep on failing? Look at your life. Confess real sins. Because confession isn't punishment for sin. Confession names the sin so it can be exposed to God's amazing grace so you can be set free forever. Be firm in this prayer. Satan traffics in guilt and shame, and he won't give up without a fight. When he says, oh, that's not really a sin. When he says, oh, you don't need to bring that up. When he says, God couldn't forgive you of that. Say to Satan, behold, the Passover lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's time for a clean start, a fresh slate, a new beginning. That's what Lent is about. We don't need to be defensive or defeated. Today and always, we can be delivered. And we do that by looking at God's marks. Yes, God has marks too. Not the marks of sin like we have. His are the marks on his hands, on his body. His are the marks of love and sacrifice. The marks of his atoning death that sets you free. Behold... Look, see, gaze, this is the whole point of what I'm talking about. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, he says through the prophet Isaiah. Jesus has your name written where he can see it. Your name is on his blood-stained hands. Yes, Jesus loves you that much. If you've ever wondered if God could really forgive you, if you've ever wondered if Jesus is really willing to take away all your marks, If you've ever wondered what God would do if he ever found out about it all, then frame these words and hang them on your wall. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Trust these words. Believe these words. Stand firm in these words and trust in Jesus Christ to take it all away. Because he took the nails on a cross. On a God-forsaken cross, Jesus Christ took the nails for you. And taking those nails, Jesus takes away all of your sin and all of your shame. He hung there for us. And still, Jesus says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. In the end, these are the only marks that matter. These marks on Christ's hands, they will never be erased, ever. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And by his cross alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.